Oscar, where's 1049 Park Avenue? This is 1049 Park Avenue! Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? Hello, and welcome to 1049 Park Avenue, an odd couple podcast. Ted Linhart, Garrett Eisler here to discuss season four, episode eight, The Songwriters. Before we talk about The Songwriters, we missed something fairly significant last week. And we want to thank one of our listeners, Jackson, for pointing this out. We talked about the little girl in the episode, This is the Army, Mrs. Madison, who played the piano during the wedding. And I said her name was Lori Marshall and all her credits were extras. What I somehow completely didn't figure out or find out is that that's Gary Marshall's daughter, Lori. <laughs> and I don't. Which should not surprise us. because It should not surprise a... us. But as soon as I saw the name Marshall, as I was preparing yeah. for the podcast, I should have instantly said is she related well, the combination especially the combination that she did not necessarily was not a professional actress um and gary marshall is was fa- is a famously self-admitted uh, nepotist uh, i don't know if we've mentioned I mean, aside from obviously penny marshall and is she on mother. the show is penny on the show <laughs> but guess what penny marshall is also related to gary marshall oh wow and then there was another woman named Marshall who played the dance, the tap yes. dancer. Yes. So, and, but I don't think we've mentioned yet that the you, uh, loyal viewers of the show may notice the name Tony Marshall as an associate producer. And that's Gary Marshall's father. Yeah. It seems like he does bring a lot of people in it. It's, it's a, it's a, something we should have figured out ourselves, but we thank Jackson for pointing that out. So on to the songwriters, which aired November 2nd, 1973. It is not available in Paramount Plus. It is available on DVD, which is how we watched it. Who are our writers, Cameron? Well, we have two new writers, uh, Buzz Cohen and Bill Angelos. Now, the name Buzz Cohen, I know. Really? Well, he created something else. Give me a break or it's your move or something. Um. Oh, maybe. Wait a minute. Did I come across that? Well, the what I did learn about the two of them is that they did write together often. But interestingly enough, especially given this episode, their background is not so much in sitcoms, but actually in variety shows that the two of I mean, uh, Carol Burnett being, of course, a comedy. Well, maybe show, that's maybe that's it. their main. Yeah, they were very involved. And in, I don't know. Um, how highly but uh, throughout the carol bonnet show both lead writers on that and uh but other than the there they go back a lot of music variety shows uh, sammy davis jr special perry como special uh bing crosby special and margaret special pearl bailey show uh so that seemed to be their uh their bag and, and i think a lot of award of, shows as well oscar right tony's so it's kind of interesting, Oscar and Tony. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hmm, maybe Neil Simon thought that's why maybe we came up with those names for that. Um, so uh, given that we have a kind of, it is a variety show kind of person, J.P. Morgan, maybe they came with her. But I then I was, I assumed that was the reason, but then I saw that they did actually write two later uh, Odd Couple episodes um, that are not, uh, are not necessarily musical a vocal girl makes good which is i think the one of the another one of the opera ones and uh and then the one about getting old old flames never die in season five the mildred fleener one returns all right so that's all i have to say about that okay thank you we open on a woman singing and the woman singing is jp morgan why don't we cover her bio at the top now because like that's the whole show I've never known who she was outside of. So this. she was born Mar- Mary Margaret Morgan in 1931. She's still alive. Her family had a vaudeville, vaudeville act. So she was singing and dancing from the age of three. Her father died in 1945. So at age 15, she started singing professionally while in high school. After high school, she worked with the Frank DeVoe Orchestra until 1953. He may be most famous to TV fans because he wrote TV themes such as Brady Bunch, Family Affair, and My Three Sons. That's where I know his name. From the he un- wrote the Brady Bunch song. theme song. Yes, wow. he, with uh, Sherwood Schwartz. 
Uh, he supported her changing her name. Uh, and apparently in high school, she was the high school treasurer. So since her last name was Morgan, her friends nicknamed her J.P. Morgan after the banker. And that's the name she decided to go with as her stage name. As J-A-Y-E. Yes. Middle initial P. Um, she then she then decided to uh, pursue um, uh, radio and also she toured a lot and performed a lot in Las Vegas and she became famous. She had her own TV show in 1956 on NBC. She had a lot of other TV shows as well. She did Broadway. She did acting. She did a lot of talk shows and a lot of game shows. And she was kind of the example of the hip, liberated woman of the 1970s. And that's where we find her today as she becomes on The Odd Couple. She's just kind of this ubiquitous guest on game shows and talk shows. Uh-huh. Now, after so you think, is that the link? Is that what leads her to be a, a, a perfect guest star for The Odd Couple? Well, or is there some ABC connection? I, not, I mean, she was on ABC shows. I did not see a specific ABC connection. And ironically... The other guest star in the show has an NBC connection. So they broke one of their own rules, it feels like, where they're only putting ABC <laughs> right, on. Right. Um, I just think she was kind of a hot property of the day and somebody recognized it would put on to bring some star power to the show. That's my in- impression of why she got on the show. Maybe somebody knew her. Or maybe she wanted to be on the show. There could be something else. But that's my impression. Now, after The Odd Couple, she'd get a whole new generation of fans, or not generation. But she became famous even more so because she was one of the primary panelists on The Gong Show in 1976. Oh. And that's where a lot of people also may know her. Uh, either I think most, I think her, her, her video performance lives on mostly in this episode of this show. Hmm. It may be the thing she's, most people see her in if they're seeing her in today or if there's Gong Show reruns at all, um, people may see her for that. But her career was mostly as a concert performer. Well, earlier on, I think by the time of the 70s, she was probably more famous nationally as a talk show host and a game show host because only, you know, people only, you could, if you saw her live, it could only, you know, while she could tour a lot, only a certain amount of people could see her live. Yes. Right, right. So I think she was kind of equally famous maybe for both, kind of like, you know, Cher was also famous as a singer, but then an actor and personality. Not that JP ever got to the level of share. Yes, not quite that level of fame, no. Now, I never, I, you know, I've seen her. So she's singing the end of some song here, which I assumed was her song. But as I Googled the lyrics that she sings yeah. here at the end, which is, and I say it because I love having you around, I discovered, I did not know, this is a Stevie Wonder song. You are love, the sunshine of my life. No, called Love Having You Around. It sounded like you were so. It's interesting you say that because there there is a cut, there is a cut of um of you are the sunshine of my life that was noted by our listener friend Lee. Maybe I just associate that with this episode. Well, I I don't remember that being this episode. You you remember it, and Lee has pointed out to us it was there. But this song, I believe, is not that. I hey, so the, speaking of which, the way the episode starts is, do you think was more of that song supposed to, again, we have songs. So I, did they deliberately just give us the last line of it? So or do you think there was more of it? Lee told us that in the DVD, he says it starts in the dressing room. Now, what I, we see in the DVD now is not that, that it starts with right. this song. I don't know exactly where uh, Sunshine was cut out, and I don't know if we're supposed to see more okay. of the song. I don't know. Uh, okay, so she sings the end of the song. She says, thank you. The audience applause. Then we go to her dressing room, which we see a door that's open that has her name on it. Then we see the back of a woman put a bouquet of flowers behind the door. Then Oscar and Miriam and Felix come in. And the woman says, Miss Morgan will be here in a minute. And Felix says, Star's dressing room. Wow. He goes over to the piano, plays a few notes. And he says to Oscar, boy, I'm really impressed Boy, I'm really impressed with you, boy. A date with J.P. Morgan. Wow. It's a giant step up from crazy Rhoda Zimmerman. I'll tell you that, <laughs> which is our first Rhoda Zimmerman reference in a while. Yeah. Last Rhoda Zimmerman reference didn't even say Zimmerman, right? It said Rhoda. Right. And she's now happily married, apparently. Oh, that's right. Uh, Oscar says, look, I wanted you wanted to meet her. I'm going to introduce you. Then you're going to take a giant step out of here, right? And both of them agree. 
So JP Morgan walks in and says to someone outside, well, fool them again. And the man she's talking to walks in and Oscar says, you will sang great tonight. And she kisses Oscar in the cheek. She says, thank you. And she introduces Oscar to the man who she was talking to, who she identifies as her manager, Bernie Morty. Now he is not credited. No, I noticed that. He's He's funny though. I wanted to know who he was. I found him irritating because he walked, I guess this is part of the (laughs) shift, but they, he and Oscar have this weird, rude greeting. Like Oscar doesn't shake his hand. He just waves at him. (laughs) And the guy completely uninterested and says delighted. I guess that's his cat. That's his, it's his one thing. And he walks in and he walks off camera. (laughs) Now the audience had this muted kind of uncomfortable laughter when they had that exchange. I I, I don't think they understood why they were so bristly (laughs) with each other. It was a little weird. So Oscar introduces JP Morgan to Felix and Miriam and Felix is enthralled at meeting JP Morgan. And that leads us to this first clip. Miss Morgan, you were just, just marvelous, just absolutely marvelous, a flawless performance. You're a total pro, just... Ah, you were disappointed, weren't you? (laughs) He doesn't understand your kind of humor. Oh, I'm sorry, I was just kidding. Uh, Make yourselves at home, I'm going to change, okay? Thank you, thank you. How are you doing? He said, make yourself at home. Something we've never done before. Something fresh, huh? Okay. Delighted. Thank you, Mr. Morgan. Did you hear that? What? What Mr. Morty said. Yeah, delighted. <laughs> what he said before that? Oh, what did he say? He said you should add an up tune. So? How does a big singer like that find new tunes? I guess where she finds the old tune from a professional songwriter. New kid just can't get a break. You're not a new kid. You're old enough to be a professional, but you're not. Now forget it, Felix. I wasn't talking about me. I, I wrote that hit song in the army. Oh, not the army no, song. It, it's, it, it's up. It's up, boy. It's an up tune. It's Oscar, up. would you mind handing me my beige shoes, please? Okay. Which one? Let's hit Hitler where he lives And America never forgives I wrote the song in the army I won the silver canteen for it Let's force him to surrender The gold canteen was won by Interferer's face In incendiary splendor Let's hit Hitler where he lives It's called to a sour kraut Germany isn't our enemy anymore. What a waste of a good song. I just wanted to show you a tune. Yeah, and now, Felix, we're going to leave. Yeah, yeah. Felix, yeah. it was wonderful meeting you. I hope I see you again soon. And, Thank you. and keep writing those up tunes. I will. I won't let you down, I promise you. We're going to be a smash in Vegas. <laughs> I really like him. He's cute. I think that's very clever. I love. I think let's hit where he lives, the song. <laughs> and that's part of the theme of this episode is very clever lyrics i assume that are really written for this episode well i was so you uh, did not uh, get any leads on who wrote the, the no. songs in this episode did, yeah. no do you tempting to think that these two writers who work so much on variety i assume shows, so yeah maybe yeah i assumed it was written by the i and tony randall maybe helped out with the music you know i figured it was a, some right he always did, contributes yeah right and now maybe and maybe these or maybe these songs were something that the writers also had toyed with or written for other things before and they just never saw the light of day until now uh do we care how exactly oscar got a date with jp morgan i guess it doesn't really matter <laughs> well, okay a, so that's he was on talk really, shows we do know he's on talk shows that's true so, so presumably uh, they're on a talk show and he, he talks to talk to her and he asks her out i could kind of see that happening right um you know i <laughs> so, uh, i i basically uh, can't decide whether it's great or it's 
terrible that they don't even bother to explain how they met or how they could be dating and why they're never going to date again after this. Right. So it's almost like, you know what? She's the guest star. We're just going to go with it. (laughs) So now we have a new scene in the living room. Felix is at a piano. By the way, where did this piano come from? So it's either something Uh, he rented just for this like opportunity he has, he thinks he has, or it sits in the fourth wall area of the living room that we never see, except for that few shots of the TV. Now, do you remember, we have had a piano in the apartment before. Before this episode, I don't remember. I was trying to remember. I was trying um, to think we had one before. I and we will like, see it again later. We'll see but, it again. Um, I know. What was I it believe it was in the Rigoletto episode because oh. they have the the guy sings in the beginning with when they meet the the opera company, and then uh, Richard Frederick sings a song in, in the tag with Felix accompanying. Him. Oh, okay. I guess we should have called that out before then. So although maybe it, I don't yeah. know if that was the same piano, we'd have to. But I, I kind of like the idea of him renting it because that would be something he would do. And I like the idea in those days yeah. that it sits in the fourth wall. Well, that's actually, yeah, you know, that is a clever idea. Yeah, maybe. So uh, Oscar's at his desk typing while Felix is trying to play various chords, create a tune. He has a pencil in his mouth. He plays Let's Hit. Sorry, it's not called Let's Hit Where He Lives. It's called <laughs> To a Sauerkraut again. <laughs> right. Oscar stares at him annoyed. Felix says, it's not right. I'm trying to write a new song for J.P. Morgan, but that great old tune of mine is so catchy. It just keeps going through my mind. Maybe I could modernize it. Let's kiss Kissinger where he lives. (laughs) Topical political humor. Oscar says, Felix, can't you kiss Kissinger some other place, some other time? Felix says, I'll just have to work this out for myself. I'm not going to bother you. I'm going to work softly. You can help me by typing softly. Now, what is J.P. Morgan? She's happy and peppy. Got to write a happy and peppy song. And that leads to uh, the next clip. Now, what words suggest happy and peppy? Happy and peppy. <laughs> happy and peppy what? Bernstein. Happy and peppy Bernstein? <laughs> no, no, it's got nothing to do with you. He's the manager of the fighter I'm writing about. What's the fighter's name? Jojo Lufts. 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 Bernstein and Lutz. Happy and peppy and bursting with love. That's going to work. That's going to work. Happy and peppy and bursting with love. Different melody altogether. It's different now. Now for the second line, I need something to keep that happy and peppy light going. Keep going. Just perfect for J.P. Morgan. 
Here we go again. It's the Mercury's. Such a catchy tune. So aside from the fact that's a very short song, I just think it's really organic and fun to watch that song come together. It just feels yes. very genuine and very real. Yeah. Well, this is also just feels like one of those great scenes for Felix and Oscar where it's not quite someone teaching someone, one of them teaching the other, but it's like this has this kind of almost ad-libbed or, or you know, organic quality uh, with this kind of stream of consciousness going from one line to the next. Uh, it's a great scene and it's a great song. It is. I mean, it, again, it's like in its way, in 25 its seconds long, but yes, <laughs> um, it's just, it, it just feels like just seeing how a song comes together, which you don't really see that on TV, I don't think. Uh, right. And because it's so short, you can actually, it's right. like in within two minutes, he writes it. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, there's a little bit of throwback to the writing episode where he's trying to rhyme. Right. Stuff. Yes. Yeah. That's what it reminded me of. Right. right. Uh, so the next scene, we're still in the living room. Now, Miriam and Murray have arrived. Miriam has a bass, which I thought was a cello, but it's a bass. Murray has a guitar. The piano has now moved from the living room section to like the, the dining room section. There's a tape recorder on top of the piano. And Felix says, quiet in the studio, please. Quiet, quiet, quiet. Tape is rolling. And he hits the record button. As a mic check, he says into the microphone, to be or not to be, that is the question, testing, testing. He pushes stop. He says, good, where's Oscar? He goes to the hallway and yells for Oscar. Murray takes the mic and says, pilot the tower, pilot the tower, requesting landing. He makes Because he thinks that's funny. Yes, and he makes some beeping noises after that. Felix comes back out now with Oscar, and he asks Murray, what is he doing? Oscar asks, what is going on here? Felix says, you of all people should know it was your idea. Oscar says, it was my idea to turn my living room into a cocktail lounge? Felix says, I'm acting like a professional. We're making a professional demo tape. When you hear it, you'll take it with pride to J.P. Morgan and say, here is a professional song. Oscar says, and this is a professional rock group? What's their name? The No Dimensions? Which he <laughs> cracks himself up with. Uh, Felix says, come on, don't kid. Come on, don't kid around. Don't kid around. These people are, these are very accomplished people. Miriam studied bass as an adult, and she twirls the bass when he says that. You've heard Murray on guitar, and he's from some Latin music. Oscar says, yeah, Nose Feliciano. Parampo. So we got a nose, the, a nose joke yeah, in there. The audience, the audience laughs at it. I think it's clever. Do you not like it? It, it's they're getting like kind of like uh, the nose jokes are just getting like obligatory at this point. Felix says on the piano you got me and he does some trilling and he's and you're my tambourine man and he hands him a tambourine face down and Oscar puts a coin in it as if he's giving the money to a beggar. Felix throws him the tambourine. Oscar says he does not know how to play it. Miriam says she's also faking it. She just knows how to spin. Murray says, yeah, it'll be, it'll be a gas gigging with you, Oscar. Oscar says, where did you pick up that lingo? And Murray <laughs> says, oh, we busted a rack, a rock group last week. He, he does a lot of... He does busting he, the arts, pornography yes, and theater. Right. Especially like, yeah, the alternative art. That's where he meets the... Yeah, yeah. That's where he gets meets all the gritty people. Or he meets roller derby chicks. <laughs> right. Murray says, this is going to be so much fun. Oscar says, I don't know what to do. Felix says, you just follow me. You're the percussion section. You feel it. You feel it. Now is everybody set? And then they play. Section, you feel it. You feel it. Now is everybody set? Quiet in the studio, please. Tate. Tate is rolling. Happy and peppy and bursting with love by Felix Unger. Take one. Take two. Happy. 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 Happy.
Happy you didn't hit it after Peppy. You didn't tell me to hit it after Peppy. Happy and Peppy and bursting with love. You went two after love. John, that's yes. right. Don't you feel it? Sure. Quiet in the studio, please. This is a demo, boy. This is professional. This is the only thing she's going to hear. It's got to be perfect. Yeah, this could mean a lot of money to us, Oscar. You know how much our rock group that we busted made on just one song? How much? A quarter of a million dollars. Just four guys who met in jail. <laughs> Overnight millionaires. I turned on the biggest bribe of my career. <laughs> Your tambourine man is back. Right. Quiet the studio, tape is rolling. Happy and Peppy and Bursting with Love by Felix Unger and Oscar Madison. Take three. You can just tell how much fun they're having doing yeah. this. I think this is like a time where they're probably really enjoying what they're doing more than others. Do we uh, think? I, it seems apparent that Al Molinaro really plays. Al Molinaro really plays the guitar. I or, feel like that's, the ukulele we've seen in. Yeah, I I think that's true. I would believe. I that. don't think he's faking it there now. Tony Randall, while a very musical person, I'm in this episode. I was very aware that he's not playing. Oh really? Yeah. What about at the end of the show? He's not playing. I thought you, he was you will you will notice at the end that you do not see his hands. You mean like in other words, like if you're going to dub someone playing the piano, you just conceal their hands oh, on the actual keys. That actually bums me out. I didn't know that. Yeah. I was like, I mean, I'm not 100 percent sure. I I and I'm not even. I don't know enough about his that aspect of his life that <laughs> to know whether he how well he played the piano. I mean, he you know he we see him in the dressing room in the beginning but, just tinkle tinkle the ivories a little bit and uh in the he scene, might, i bet in the scene when they're song, writing yeah. a song i think i think i'm sorry yeah i do think in that scene he's playing because all he's doing is picking out the melody so what's happening in this scene they're they're they're, they're not hearing a piano being played the actors on the oh set? i think it's uh, the, it, i don't know whether it's off stage or recorded but it's like um i don't know i i mm, Maybe you know, honestly, maybe I'm only thinking of the of the tag. So maybe I should say what I'm saying for well, that. If he's because not it, playing at the tag, he can't be playing here. No, he could because this could. I I have to listen to the song to see how complex it is. Maybe it's easy enough that he was able to play it. But he's also doing a lot of acting in the scene, so it would make sense to not have him, you know, worry about getting the, the piano right. Unless it'd be very easy. Yes, but he'd have to play well to be able to like get. Oh, to, now I have to go back and look. Okay. We'll, well talk the about fans it. might be able to. Uh, uh, so a quarter million dollars in 1973 is $1.5 million today. Um, and now let's just review the lyrics of the song. Happy and peppy and bursting with love. Dancing and singing to heaven above. Jumping and rolling like a little pup. If you knock me down, I'm going to bounce back up. Yeah. Happy and peppy and feeling so swell. I'm going to answer when I hear the bell. This is the lyric I think I never really focused on. I'll trod down that field with fury ferocious. Like we never heard that before. <laughs> I don't quite get that. Yeah. I Happy, precocious and swell. Well, you know, it's true that in the scene where Felix writes it, he doesn't get to the end, right? Yeah. So that last couplet is. Uh... He does get to swell, doesn't he? Oh, no, he does, doesn't. He? Yeah, he says bell. So. Then he says happy. Oh, he does he, that. He throws it yes. in there with the little rhyme. So that fury line. ferocious line is a line that's added. So the new now we have a new scene. We see a hallway with a sign on the wall that says Wolfman Jack Studio B and an arrow pointing left with some gold records on the wall. Felix says, I don't understand why we have to come here. Why don't we go direct to J.P. Morgan? Oscar says Wolfman Jack is the biggest disc jockey in the country and he's a friend. I want his professional opinion. If he likes it, I'll bring it to Jay and let me do the talking. Felix says, if you need any help, give me a cue. Oscar says, yeah, if you see me drop my pants and do the funky chicken, that's your cue. <laughs> that is also one of my favorites. So one of the lines I most, one of the jokes I most remember from. At this point, the, the funky chicken, which was a dance craze of the 70s, 
uh, sung by Rufus Thompson, the song was four years old at this point. So still kind of like coming out of Jack Klugman's mouth. That, that phrase is really funny. So the next scene, we see Wolfman Jack sitting in front of the microphone. We'll talk about him in a second. He's dancing kind of in his seat, moving to the fake rock music, which we kind of heard with the Dick Clark. In, you know, I think that the same, it's the same set. It feels like the same. The same have a nice day. Poster. Yeah, it does. Um, and he's saying, feel all those vibrations, sweetheart. Get it into your soul on WNBC 66. Yeah, that stood out to me too. Yeah. There are also four kind of young groovy chicks in there with him. So let's talk about Wolfman Jack. He was born Robert Smith in 1938. He started as a DJ in 1960. He had various nicknames before getting Wolfman Jack, like Daddy Jules. And it seems like this Wolfman Jack name came from a combination of being a fan of the legendary disc jockey Alan Freed, who used the nickname, he, Alan Freed, who kind of popularized the term rock and roll. Right. Yeah. He used the nickname Moondog, which was based on a street musician. Apparently, Robert Smith was a fan of the blues singer Howlin' Wolf. He also was a fan of horror movies. So he brought all that together into Wolfman Jack, which all the Jack came from kind of like the hipster language of the day. And he added a howl to it. And he became famous really from broadcasting from a, a, um, a radio station on the border, right over the Texas border of Mex into Mexico, and it could be heard coast to coast. So everyone yeah. across America could hear him, and this persona he created with this howl and this kind of talking that we'll hear in a second um, made him famous. And then he moved to New York City and to WNBC in 1973, in August, which was right around probably yeah. when this episode was when this was filmed, yeah. and when American Graffiti was released, which he was in, right, and that and made him famous. Yeah. Really made him famous. And what I read, which was very interesting, I thought that he took less than one percent of the, I think, net profits of American Graffiti huh. as his payment, and that apparently huh. gave him enough money to be comfortable the rest of his life. Yeah, because that yeah. movie, which huge. Yeah. Cost under a million dollars, made $140 million or $200 million as of today. Yeah. Universal picture. Um, so uh, now it is interesting that an ABC, ABC show is promoting their rival's flagship yeah. New York station. Yeah. And at, at the time when ABC hired him, they uh, sorry, when NBC hired him, they had an ad campaign saying how they were going to beat ABC's cousin Brucie. <laughs> who was the biggest oh. disc jockey at the time. So <laughs> I suspect in order to get Wolfman Jack to be on this show, they had to agree to promote WNBC. That's what I believe. Right. It's interesting that they wanted Savelli to get him on the show. I think they felt that this was like a way maybe of getting young people involved to watch the show yes. because you had JP Morgan and you, right. you know, I don't, Wolfman Jack at this time was probably... This may be the piece of his. He is already a famous disc yeah. jockey, right? Even before yeah. American Graffiti. You know, it is, it, yeah, this plus the way at least they're presenting JP Morgan as a contemporary, if not rock singer, not rock star, but sort of a blues singer or, you know, a very modern singer. This is like between her and Wolfman Jack, it's like they are definitely trying to get this uh, younger generation, yeah. He moved to L.A., he did a lot of radio and TV, and then he died in 1995. So now we'll play a clip uh, with him. WNBC, 66 Street. Oh, Oscar Madison, how you doing? Hey. Give it, Ted. <laughs> oh, I can't tell how much I appreciate you taking the trouble to listen to our song. Oh, it's the Wolfman Good Vibes of Fetchy up This is my partner, Felix Under. He's got the music with him. Give it, Ted Felix. Give it, Ted Felix. Get down with your bad self. Good. He's your partner. Mr. Wolfman, we know you're busy, so we'll just leave the music, okay? Please well, listen, I dig the tape. I will definitely listen to the tape. Yeah, and your own leisure, of course. Oh, definitely, definitely. We, we just want you to know that we are cognizant of your position as arbiter of taste for the younger generation. Most appreciative, sir. What's he talking about? What's he talking about? Just leave the tapes, Felix. Have you, uh, you got a machine here? Or are you going to get into another room and listen in privacy? I'll dig the tape, like I'll dig the tape. Right. Here's the sheet music in case you want to follow Give along. Give me the tape. Give me the tape. tape. Yes. Wait, wait. Thank you. Thank you, Solomon. 
Now, if you stand real close to your radio, the Wolfman is gonna inject a little boogie right into your ever-loving soul. Now, let's all ride the elephant of happiness through the jungle of love. Mama. He never read it. If he read it like that, he would be unemployed. You gotta get a feeling. You gotta move it. You gotta do the whole... Let me see what I'm Now, if you get real close to the radio, the Wolfman... So there's a visual joke there when um, Wolfman asks Felix to give him 10, he ends up playing patty cake with him. <laughs> <laughs> and the look on Tony Randall's, like he's completely uh, confused, never, like as if he's never seen someone give up, you know, slap them five before. Uh, which I feel like he's done with people. So Yeah, but it works in this. Scene. It does work. Yeah. I love this. I love this scene. It's very funny. I had forgotten. I remembered the scene, but I had forgotten it was in this episode. I forgot I had forgotten that they brought in Wolfman Jack for the JP Morgan episode. So um and I remembered it line by line almost hilarious. So we have a new scene. And he's really room. funny. Wolfman's really funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a new scene in the living room. Oscar's opening a bottle of wine. Felix is holding sheep music and saying, Will you please, Oscar? Come on, please, please show her the song. Oscar pulls out the cork at the same time he shouts, No. Felix says, just for me, Oscar says, no. Felix says, please. Oscar says, like the Wolfman says, and he does his Wolfman impression, <laughs> your song's nowhere. Felix says, forget the Wolfman. He wasn't reacting to the song. He was reacting to me. He hates me. And he didn't have the guts to take it out on me, so he took it out on her song, which I think is a very interesting hmm, yes. analysis interesting and this, could yes. be correct. And it's a way of getting around, obviously, the whole, you know, this is a whole conceit to get Wolfman Jack in the show, like how they fit him in. Right. Oscar knows him somehow and shows it yeah. to him. And this is a way of like getting around the fact because if Wolfman liked it, it wouldn't work as well as Wolfman hating it. I just think that's an interesting way. Well, that's a, you bring up an interesting point, which is that the scene is actually totally inconsequential. Exactly. For the episode, right? Yeah, it's just to get but him in it. It is the kind of thing I'm glad they put in anyway, because it's so hilarious. And it works. And it is enough. And it is true that it is not a rock song. I mean, that's right. the, the funny thing about well, the song they write. I know. It's but... so old fashioned that no so wolfman's reaction to it makes total sense if you're wolfman jack i, I get well i don't know he he doesn't say this is catchy for what it is but not for me or for today but he like thinks it's terrible <laughs> which i don't i don't agree with <laughs> i think it's a little well, much okay first of all what's funny is that he says it brings me down yeah and, i know but and, it, it, and it's happy and peppy exactly so i find <laughs> How it can it bring him down? i know but it's because he is so hip you see he is so he is so hip that's something this old-fashioned from his grandfather's generation is just like depressing because ah. it is so un it is so unhip. I, I that's what I, I find his reaction I, a little over the top. But anyway, I like the fact the way Felix gets around. Yes. It. So Oscar takes a pen. Oscar says, um, "No, not our song. Your song." He attacked your song. See, I don't want anything to do with it. I'm going to take my name off it right now. He takes mm -hmm. a pen and he crosses off the sheet music. His name off the sheet music that Felix is holding. Felix looks at the food on the coffee table and asks Oscar what he has, and he says, hors d'oeuvres. I made it myself. That's not frozen. Felix says, liverwurst on potato chips is hors d'oeuvres? <laughs> Oscar says, yeah. Felix says, come on, please. J.P. Morgan's going to be right in this room in a few minutes. Just show her the song. Oscar says, no. She's going to be here because I made a social date with her. I don't want the word music or records mentioned. In fact, I don't even want you here. The doorbell rings. And Felix says, can I meet the company at least? Oscar says, no, you can't. Felix begs him, and we get this short exchange, which I just think is better heard than me saying it. Please. No, you can't. Please. No, please. Go to your room. <laughs> oh, boy, what a jit. 
<laughs> yes, that is worth playing. Yes. Oscar goes to the door and turns off the lights in the living room. He opens the door and says, hello. Morgan says, Oscar, is that you? Oscar says, yep. And Morgan says, what a nice dark room. And they both laugh. <laughs> and J.P. Morgan says, oh, is there a step here? Oscar says, it's too dark, isn't it? And J.P. Morgan says, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm not wearing clothes anyway. Oscar laughs. He turns on the lights and says, I'm glad you're here. Come on, sit down. I made some special hors d'oeuvres for you. It's not frozen. Made it myself. It's liver so pate. <laughs> yes. It's liver pate on potato chippe. And she says, no, thanks. I'll eat later. Oscar says, okay, I'll leave them there. If you're hungry, just help yourself. I'll put on some music. And he puts on some romantic music, which I... Which is... I couldn't... What is it? I, no, I didn't. I'm not good at this. It's... It's the love story theme again. Oh, it is? Oh, dee, you know, dee, 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 I thought it sounded familiar, but I didn't, dee, I never would have come up with that. Oh, because it's Paramount owned. They're going to yeah, recycle yeah. So it as much it. as possible. <laughs> that's a good call. I'm glad you recognize it because I, I, I could not. They used it in the, in the Murray who came to dinner for the Murray Mimi reunion scene. Um, so uh, he walked to the back of, then he, when he plays the music, he walks back to the couch in this kind of fake, Faw, dignified manner, and says, Would you like a drink? I have some very rare vintage wine. She asks, What vintage? And he says, Thursday. She says, Okay. And he says, It comes, this rare vintage wine, from the jolly green French winos. What will we drink to? JP Morgan says, A new record collection. Oscar laughs and says, I usually allow my guests to smell the cork. JP Morgan says, Well, I'll taste it. Most of it is in the glass anyway. They click their glasses and cheers and they drink. Oscar says, hey, that's terrific. J.P. Morgan says, Oscar, do you like to dance? He says, ooh, I'd love to. She says, good, I'd love to watch. Come on, I was just joking. She says, you think that is that joking? When you dance with me, you'll know what a joke is. So they start to kind of have a slow dance and then Felix the Pest interrupts. scene do you have I, I just love when Felix does these kinds of things oh I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear I didn't know you were here and that I'm just listening to that new hit song happy and deaf on his little uh, Panasonic cassette player so uh, he al I, so I also want to yep. put in a, a, for me a funny visual is that Tony Randall is wearing an insane plaid checkered 70s it, it sports coat very 70s <laughs> very loud new scene is in time we see Times Square at night uh, outside, you know, Times Square, the, the street footage. And then we see JP Morgan on the same stage, I think, that we saw her on at the beginning. And we hear the audience applauding. And she, I guess she just finished the song. This applause went on for 20 seconds, which is a long time. It was really, I yeah. found it annoying how much huh. the applause went. Now, maybe this is where she sang, this may be where she sang Sunshine. Yeah. Maybe. There you go. Because, yeah, do we hear anything of the song? No, no, she, no, no, just the applause. We, we should also, also point out this is kind of very much a cabaret setting. Like yes. A, a tables. It's not a, a comp, like a big concert venue. No. Um, 
we see Felix and Miriam and Murray and Oscar sitting at a table close to the stage. Murray is Oscar's date, kind of. <laughs> I guess that's right, yes. He's, uh, so J.P. Morgan says, thank you. I really, really appreciate it. You know, people are always asking me where new songwriters are coming from. Well, they could come from anywhere, really. One day, a man could be a commercial photographer, and we hear Felix whisper, portraits of specialty. She says, portraits of specialty. Or a sports writer, and the next day, they could be the writer of a big hit song. Well, that's happened. A sports writer and commercial photographer collaborated in a song, and well, they're here tonight, and if it doesn't embarrass you guys, stand up and take a bow. Felix stands straight up before she even finishes that sentence. By the way. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, while Oscar gets up kind of in a humble way after she finishes, and uh, she says, Felix Unger and Oscar Madison, Felix blows her a kiss and says, just like to take this opportunity to say our thanks to a very great star who took a chance on a couple of relative unknowns. I like he says relative unknowns, <laughs> not just unknowns. Uh, she says, it was my pleasure, really. Felix says, it was her pleasure. You hear that? That's a star. What if the star would say that? <laughs> Kate Smith, maybe. I'd forgotten that line, and I laughed out loud when he said that. <laughs> Such a random call out. He mentioned, does he mention Kate Smith in the show more than once? There is another episode where they make a Kate Smith joke, like which is that someone who ran off with Kate Smith's drummer. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, it's in one of the flashbacks episodes. J.P. Morgan says, right now, I'd like to give you my rendition of their wonderful song called Happy and Peppy and Birthday with Love. And now we're going to play that. seem to love it, so I guess that's the right way to do it. Or is it? One more time. Garrett, which version do you prefer? Um, <laughs> I, you know, I must say that, yeah, the uh, that JP's uh, version of it is exactly the kind of cabaret singing I really don't like. <laughs> that I think Felix is right. That I she agree. Just drained, I, she drained the life out. So of why did you hesitate on the answer? I was, I have the uh, same answer for the same reason, and yes. and have no qualms. I don't enjoy that sort of style of singing. I find it right. irritating, uh, unless it's a song supposed to be sung that way. I mean, yeah, if right. it is, like there's certain songs, I guess I like that way. But right. yeah, this is. I and the more I think about it, it's actually really funny that given the what we given the, what we what we watched Felix write it and record it, then 
as soon as it starts with this slow the uh, drum beat and and that kind of piano accompaniment and her long intoning it actually is funny that she would interpret the song and watching his expression when yes, he hears when, that this yes, is happening and right yeah. felix's running commentary is is great but before he starts that the, the 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 moment we see his face realize that this yeah. is what he's hearing before right. and you can't hear it in the clip because you have to see yeah. it it's just it's great yelling from <laughs> see, yeah. bring it on now <laughs> i like that so now but of course she is such a she's such a good sport that yeah. she lets him sing the song so. uh now we're at the tag we're back at the club everyone's left felix is playing the piano according to garrett tony randall is not uh and JP and Miriam and Oscar Marie are all standing behind the piano and they're singing a song, which I don't even remember this, called The Nearness of You. It's a song written by Hoagie Carmichael in 1938, first played by Glenn Miller. It's still played these Did days. Did not recognize it. I found but... it on Nora Jones sings a version of it. And how is that? I don't think that's public domain. I don't know. It's, I, can't, I can't answer the musical rights issues on this show and the DVD because I don't get it. So um, uh, they, they sing the last few lyrics of it. Um, and Oscar says they don't write songs like that anymore. And J.P. Morgan says, there's one song I really must sing. You know what we went over before, she says to Felix. And Felix says, what do you want? And she says, give me a D minor seven. And then she sings one more song. <laughs> like uh of her two uh uh renditions i like her rendition of this better than happy and Debbie. i think i think i agree with you because um, it's also really funny <laughs> that uh the mismatch between the world war ii propaganda kind of feeling song and her doing it again in this very 70s cabaret style very anachronistic what does she say at the does she say no joke at the end did you were you able to figure out uh, you mean like right the at the last time. end of that she clip? She puts at the end of the song, yeah. Uh, I can play the clip again if you want me to. It's no joke. Yeah, it's no joke. That's what she says. Uh, so I think this is one of the most inventive episodes of the show. It, it may be not one of my favorites, but I think it's one of the most inventive. I think the I think she's very good in it. Wolfman Jack's good at it. The, the, the way you have to accept that these two people get into their world, which does not work with some people on the show, but it works with others, like Monty Hall, I think it works. I think this works well enough that it's, as someone like me who likes to pick apart the logic, it doesn't bother me um, at all. Uh, you know, obviously, we never see the, the date again. We have no other, we have no <laughs> idea what happens to this song. Does she sing it? Yeah, her, wait a minute. Like, I thought like, it was going to be yeah. the next hit song sweep in the country so that's a little annoying like there's no continuity file it away with, but that's with, uh, true with a lot of shows with what with uh what other accomplishments did they oh yeah there's a lot of feel like why isn't felix Unger famous from the david steinberg show right um and uh the lyrics are just really i just the lyrics which again i believe are written for this show and the music just feel you know we there's musical stuff on television these days where musicals are written for TV episodes. And I just feel like it really works here. The songs um, here deliver. They deliver yeah. for the episode though. Like yes. And they fit uh, into the field context. Right? Personality. Yes. We, we've seen totally. Him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I give it four out of five stars. Um, 
you know, it's not the funniest episode, but I do laugh. Um, and I don't really usually like music in my TV shows, but here it works for me. And so it's not a go-to episode of mine, but when I watch it, I think I remember that I really enjoy it. And, and Happy and Bursting, Happy and Peppy and Bursting Love is just a song that I think still kind of like is fun to discuss these days. And it I, is. Yeah, so it I like it. pretty happy and peppy. And I said four to five stars. Of course, I meant four to five Murrays. Yes, let's... Uh, is that what I meant to say? Yes, remember, that is a running theme of our podcast. Yes, of course. That's why. Um, it's our, in fact, our trademark, right? Yes. So. Yeah. <laughs> let's get and on. If that. it's ever on DVD, we're going to have to insist on royalties <laughs> or it has to be cut out. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm pretty with you on this episode. You know, I, uh, I'll say this. I was not looking forward to this because I didn't remember. Well, at least I... I all I remembered was J.P. Morgan seemed like one of these random 70s guest stars. And so I, I was dubious that this was one of those, you know, guest stars sandwiched into an episode. But I saw I was surprised how much I enjoyed it going forward because it they made it work. The plot It's still well plotted. Like some of the guest star episodes, they had they struggle to build a plot around the star. And here. Uh, they never let her get in the way of the of the relationship between Oscar and Felix and and the plot. And you know, I was saying how the Wolfman Jag episode is kind of superfluous, but actually it isn't. It's really good writing because it's an obstacle. It's like it's a it, it, it uh, you know it takes a different turn, and then it then we're surprised when J.P. Morgan does want to do it. So it gives the uh, the plot some some uh, some legs. Um, so I also give it four out of five because it just. Uh, the, the the scene where they write the song, the Wolfman Jack scene, and then when they go hear J.P. Morgan sing it, those are three great scenes in this episode. And uh, that's a in a you know in a twenty five minute sitcom, that's a lot of great scenes. Even the scene where they record the song, it's another four good scenes. Um, by the way, four out know, of five. Uh, sorry, four out of five. What? Four out of five Murrays. Okay. Um, you know, um, uh, two things though. Uh, I forgot to mention one. Speaking of Let's Say That Little Where He Lives, um, uh, in that first scene in the dressing room, Felix says, uh, we won second prize for this song. Sil Silver he Canteen, says, he says. The Silver, Silver Canteen. Canteen. And he says the first was in DeFuhrer's face. Yes, yeah. That's an actual song, you know. Oh. Uh, that is a Spike Jones or Spike Jones recorded it. Yeah. Not Spike Jones, the current director. Yes, I Spike Jones, the Spike old Jones. time singer. Yes. Uh, and, it was, and it was featured in a cartoon of that, a Disney World War II era propaganda cartoon called In Defuhrer's Face, uh, which I think had Donald Duck in it. Um, anyway, so that's a real song that they're that Felix is referencing there for what it's worth. Um, and you know, while we've been recording this, I just I, I, I'm fascinated by some of your background in J.P. Morgan. I realize I never knew anything about her, and um, you know, it is funny how she comes up in this. I was associated with this episode as being like an ultimate '70s. Uh, uh, persona like she's got the short haircut, the jean jacket, the tinted sunglasses. She's uh, kind of wisecracking and, and uh, uh, as you said, like you know, playing very much a, a liberated woman. And but looking at her background, it's like that was not her how her career began at no, all. She no. really was much more of a uh, classic uh, big band kind of singer. We said with her family performing. And if you look on her Wikipedia page, she's got all these old pictures that it, like you know, from the fifties, she's, she's like done up in a Marilyn Monroe. She kind started of. so young yeah. that by the right. time she got to the seventies, she was right. A, could be young enough to kind of pick up what was going on in the era. Yeah. She's basically 40 or in her early forties when in this episode and where she, she clearly has just taken a, 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 a career turn to, uh, you know, phase out her original old-fashioned style, and now I guess you know they try to pass her off as a rock star in a way in this episode, but she was really kind of a blues, a cabaret, um, a modern cabaret singer, and um, so it's really fascinating. And but also her, it seems like her major recording career had had kind of phased out by this time. She didn't most of her recording was before this. Yeah, she was now said, a she TV transitioned TV into star, TV and right. guest stars. But uh, Ted, you uh, you left out something. Uh, from the Wikipedia entry that I feel we must share with our yes. readers. Did, did you know that from when she was a panelist on the Gong Show uh, from 1976 to 78, she was ultimately fired for flashing her breasts? I 
I did not find that. It sounds vaguely familiar to me as something yes. I looked up a long time ago. Anyway, but I well, did it's in not. Wikipedia, so it must be true. Um, and that she appeared as herself in the later film, The Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, about Chuck Barris, the creator of The Gong Show. So she apparently has a cameo in that film. Well, we can put her on the list of people with John Biner that we want to get as guests on the show somehow. Yeah, someday. well, they're getting old, but um, I'm sure they would love to spend some of their time in their 90s chatting with us. About the and this shows. will be an interesting contrast when we get to the other 70s rock person of the era that did not yes. work out so well. Paul yeah. Williams. Yeah. I'm see here. I am wondering. Am I going to be as pleasantly surprised? No, you will not be. No, and also because the whole <laughs> thing with uh, Edna is just there's a preview of. Unless I'm not. Unless no, I watched it recently enough. Um, well, if you have any feedback for us or input, um, please email us at 1049pod at gmail.com. We also have an ask in a while. If you could leave a hopefully a five star review on wherever you listen to. Uh, oh, yes, podcasts, please. including iTunes, seem to be the best. Or place. a five Murray review. A five Murray can. review, if that's if that's possible. <laughs> Go to your room. Oh, what a tip. <laughs> <laughs>